0: This episode of the Behind the Mask podcast is brought to you by Mickey D's. All the best nights end with a bite from Mickey D's. Whether it's after a game or a night out with the crew, Mickey D's is always the move. My go to is the spicy, crispy chicken sandwich, and you know I gotta have the vanilla milkshake with that. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna make a Mickey D's run right after this episode, and you should too. Everyone's got their own Mickey D's moments. Go on and make some more delicious memories.
1: I understood very early that I had a responsibility. My grandfather gave me three rules. Don't embarrass yourself, don't embarrass me and your mama's name, and don't embarrass colored folk. You know, don't so I my I take communicating in the way I speak very seriously because my hero spoke well. Behind
2: the mask. What's happening, my good people? Our boy, Tutan, he had to step out for a minute. His daughter is on the AAU tour circuit, so he's all over the place. But without further ado, I got to bring you this next guest, because while I hold it down, Tuton will hold it down, and we're going to get right into it. Our next guest coming to the BTM Lounge. The world became familiar with him on his debut on OutKast 2000's LP, Stankonia, and later appeared... On the Grammy-winning single, The Whole World, from the Greatest Hits album from Big Boy and Drake. This next guest is a rapper, activist, and business owner whose voice is not silent to anybody. Man, welcome to the BTM Lounge, Killer Mike.
1: Man, what's up? What's up? One half runner, Jules Shouts out to my... Partner LP man, what's going on out there?
2: L Yeah, well, man, listen, dog, I appreciate you showing up, my G. Man, for skill spikes, come on, man. Oh, Already I want to tackle man in the hood, you know what yeah, I mean? It's, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> this man is 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 a legend in my state, and he's loved. So when I got the call, I immediately jumped up and said, "Yeah, man," you know. I, you know I, I I was fortunate enough in that. I went to school with a lot of kids who was a lot—they were a lot better at things than me. So I understood early how to cheer for my friends and yeah. then find something to go be good at for them to cheer for me. <laughs> so let me start off with a shout-out from, man, my, my best friend since kindergarten, Robert Hicks, who played also for the Buffalo Bills and now is a coach over at, at Riverwood. Big and, Hicks. Uh, yeah, that's my—and I love him like a brother. He he showed me early because his mom didn't let him play football to high school— but he was so good at baseball, him and like Chris Owens and my friend Sleep, who y'all hit me about in my raps and was on the church sleep episode. I was just like, well, I ain't gonna be no, I ain't gonna be no athlete, I ain't gonna do that. And Stanley Pritchard, who was our I, I was Pritchard was our um a year older than us, but he was our in kindergarten teacher's son. I remember the summer, like we were playing like B team. And Stanley came back like built like a man. I was like, well,
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: that's going in that. I'm not tackling him. <laughs> you know what I mean? Cameron Dollar, who's the NCAA champion at UCLA, who just sent our Douglas Boys, who made state four, even though they didn't win. He sent them a message. So, you know, shouts out, man, to all the athletes from Georgia. Nolan Smith Jr., who's my wife's cousin. And um, he's he's about to have a prosperous career. He he made a hell of a hell of a run at, at UGA as an outside linebacker and um, is a leader. You know what I mean? I, I'm Two proud
2: championships of too, Yeah, bro. man. And
1: he's just a leader. And 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 you know what? He gets it. You know, I gotta say, genetically, I know his dad, and his his dad, Nolan Smith Senior, is um, is a is a leader amongst men. Is, is well loved. So, you know, shouts out to Nolan, man, and shouts out to his mom, who's when I first met her, it was at a at a game, like after a practice or something. And that boy had just a smarter mouth at twelve and thirteen. He he already knew where he was going. So, Nolan is um, is just a leader, and I look forward to seeing him grow. So, shouts out to the athletes. Athletes a lot of times get kicked around, but as you were telling me about your book, and as I've seen you. And from a philanthropic standpoint, in my city, man, you're just an asset to the state. Georgia's proud to say, you know, right you know, on, you bro. play for Auburn.
2: Man. I know it, though. Know.
1: We can't be bad. UGA should have been recruiting. Well, they, they <laughs> they wasn't right back then. They right? weren't back then. They want, they, they, all the hope Hey, if you look at half the Bama championships, the team was from the
2: city. I'm, I'm trying to tell you. I was
1: like, man, I was like, well, I, you don't want to. But luckily, my mama's family from Alabama. So, literally, so we get a little oh, love. Man, it's on it's that been side. so easy for me my whole life, man. Because it was just like if Bama was winning, I was like, well,
2: Tuskegee. You know what yeah. I mean?
1: And if, if we went over here, I'd be like, UGA? Atlanta. You know what I mean? So, it's been easy. But I'm I, um, I'm glad that UGA finally understood that, man, we got so much talent here. Yeah. You can't let another Tuskegee Spice escape.
2: Yeah, you keep everybody in state, man. And I give him a lot of credit. I give Kirby a lot of credit. The thing that I appreciate about what he's been able to do, or the first thing that he did when he got there, he said, I'm going to put the first priority on recruiting. Yeah. And so that really shows up to your point when you look at the roster. Yeah, yeah. Damn near half of everybody on the team is from the state. So yeah. we got we got them right here in the peace so, state, bro.
1: something about being able to have your family get up there to see you. you oh, know, yeah. Encourage you. you know, I did, my wife's <clears throat> father's side, paternally is from South Carolina. So Puna Ford, who plays out in Seattle, Puna, shouts out to Puna, He's from a South Carolina side, but he, um, his family when he plays Carolina, like the whole it's a whole a conglomerate <laughs> that just go up. And I just be like, like y'all really supportive. But to that, my family, my my um cousin Jason has a daughter that golf's. My cousin Keisha has a son that's that's proficient in baseball, and we just got the text from her yesterday. Hey, we want to see more of y'all out. He wants some support from the family. And I saw within 15 minutes, my sisters another other pop up. We're coming next game, the the children of, of my youngest daughter, I mean, the mother of my youngest daughter, Mikey. She's like, we there. And it's, that's, that's what it's about, man. So, yeah. you know, it's less about, to me, you know, the, the just the winning on the field. And it is about that for these kids that work their ass off. But getting a chance, because even as a high schooler, I saw Nolan Smith Jr., Encouraging kids, even as a college kid, making this time to create camps. You show kids the possibility is there. There's going to be a kid from a rural town in Georgia that yep, hears yep. about a guy named takiyo and watches that game film, and he's going to say, "I can do
2: it." Yeah.
0: Whether you're searching for the latest sneaker, that iconic handbag, a timeless watch, or your next piece of classic jewelry, eBay Authenticators are there verifying every detail of your purchase. Yep, we're talking each inch, stitch, tick, facet, and clasp that make the piece you're searching for worthy of your collection eBay's authenticators are experts in their craft, true connoisseurs, and as leaders in their fields, they're making sure your items always arrive as authentic as your style. So go ahead, get that piece you've always wanted and leave it up to the meticulous eye of an eBay authenticator to make sure that watch movement is original, that glimmer is real gold, that rare sneaker is legit, or that handbag is really made of genuine leather and never get faked over again. In a world full of fakes, it's time to get real with eBay Authenticity Guarantee. Everyone deserves real. Visit ebay.com for terms.
2: And and that's how it all starts, man. I go back from humble beginnings to that point. I remember seeing somebody. I'm walking in the Augusta Mall, and I see this cat, and I hear people, oh, he's an NFL player. So it was like, all right, if he's from this area. Come on. I know I can do the same I'm thing. I'm this close. I'm this close to it. Yeah, I, man. I think
1: Jonathan Slocum, I thanked him the other day. We were doing something at Frederick Douglass High School. I went up there. Game of testimony, and encouraged the kids and stuff, as I'll do anytime they call me. But I saw Jonathan later at a party and I told him, I say, hey man, I don't know how, how you feel about you in terms of how high or low you didn't go. You, you're still doing stand-up, and I think you deserve a TV show. But what I know is you were the only celebrity that would that would come to Frederick Douglass and you'd encourage us and tell us we can do it. And I say, at the time, Douglas's is mathematics and sciences, magnet program. Um, National School of Excellence. So everything on Frederick Douglass was, hey, it's going to be a different world. You Top going 10. to college, you... It wasn't. Hey, man, you could be on TV and support yourself. So I just used to be waiting like, okay, that's a judge. Shouts out to the judge. Shouts out to the lawyers. I could see my friends getting excited to the point of your friends being better. Judge Asha Jackson, Superior Court Judge, um, Chief Judge of Asha Jackson down in DeKalb County. She knew she was going to be a lawyer when we was 13. So I'm sitting next to Asha, letting the judge talk, and I'm like... Man, who can talk for me? And in walks Jonathan Slocum and just entertains us and lets us know that there's a business of show business. So, man, I just think, look for excellence around your children and try to par them with that, that right. what their interests are. And my, my grandmother, like all, all black folks do, they send you out with trades people. A lot of folks outside South Mountain, I know this, but you might have had an uncle did floors. Yep. Right? I'm sure you at least yep. worked one summer with them. Yeah, And that's how you know, maybe landscaping Landscape and everything. My, uh, man, my grandmother sent me out with the electrician, Mr. Sanders. The carpenter, Mister Mister Robert, she sent me to the barber. She sent to me to my cousin who painted cars. They all returned. She the was same. like,
2: "You won't make sure you pick up you, a train. You gonna do
1: something?" All don't return with the same story. They say, "Well, I mean, I mean, the boy can talk. The boy can talk, baby. I mean, he really. I mean, he could. This boy could say ice to an Eskimo, but Betty, he 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 really ain't much with his hands. <laughs> so oh. that kind of steered you in the direction of." Like, I, I understood that I wanted to tell stories for a living. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to be a rapper. I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to figure that part out. Now, along that, I've learned how to fly planes. I learned how to, you know, photograph beautiful pictures I love. I've learned how to do a lot. I take quirky pictures of Hot Wheels that people seem to like enough for me to want to buy, for them to want to buy and do a display. But what I learned more than anything is that I'm an effective communicator.
2: Right. And
1: I found my talent in communicating between different peer groups. I found my talent communicating messages and ideas to people so I, th- I found it but I was up to try anything. You know See, I'd give it a
2: try. Brother, that's that's the thing that I appreciate because just doing the research I've been a big fan from yeah. from day one but like you grew up in the west side of Atlanta. Yep. Went to Morehouse College. Yep. And connected with other artists around the city. You talk yep. about TI, yep. Outkast, from the Grammy that you guys earned and you've pretty much carved out your own spot. Not only in the A but like everywhere, bro. I've been blessed, man. You've been highly blessed. So like what inspired you to become the artist that you are? Man, I don't. I just, I wanted to be
1: a rapper. You know, rap turns 50 years old this year. So Indeed. my mother was 16 when she had me. She was 16 years old. So rap was her thing first. Like, you know what I mean? Like she listened to disco. So Donna Summer, you know, she was she was into the B G. She was into just dancing and partying, and the early rap was akin to disco in terms of vibes. And you know when you start listening to the Sugar Hill Gang, that's, it was stuff that they kind of grooved and danced to. Mm-hmm. Curtis Blow came out, shooting the booty with the shirt open and the chains. Mm-hmm. You know James. what I mean? Like you know, Houdini looked like the dudes my mom was clubbing with. Like, but man, when Run DMC came out, when I seen these two young dudes come out and all black, black Levi's denim, Adidas. I was just like, oh, shit, something different. They changed the game. And and them and these guys called the Fat Boys, who I was a chubby kid, so I was like, oh, run it. But they was wearing like Dapper Dan style stuff, like oversized Gucci stuff made on the street with the Levi's. I was just like, yo, this rap shit, this is baseball. Basketball, Man, football. football. Okay, football. I like, but it was like, you know, nah. Rap. Rap is pugilism. I believe boys need something to exert their warrior through. I believe boys need That's true a martial art or boxing. They need an outdoor sport, be it archery or shooting. They need football, baseball, basketball. They need something to do that because if you don't, what you get is this corral of energy and sometimes that could be aggressive that that leads boy to, to do things that are not in the good.
2: and come out you, the wrong way in exact
1: area. And it needs to be tempered by the guidership and stewardship of men and boys who have authority over them. Rap is that. Rap is pu- pugilism in, in poetry because you shit talking. You telling stories of bravado how you the baddest motherfucker in the room and you also doing it versus other boys and uh-huh. versus yourself to skill set to get better. You know what I mean? You, you can see it in the freestyle battle, you know, um, campaigns that that go on. You can see it when when you see a motherfucker looking at the camera and giving it everything he say he mean. And even if it never happened, it's just that you have to get that out. And I think that if we start approaching and looking at rap that way, some of the misunderstanding generationally we won't have. Like, my mom understood why I like rap. Because she was right there at the beginning of it. You know, when Run-DLC jumped on, she was like... I see why you like it, but I'm cool. But I'm I'm, I'm I'm gonna stick with Curtis, you know, Grandmaster Flash. I'm gonna stick with this, you know what I mean? But she understood why NWA appealed to me. She understood why KRS1 was poster was on my wall. She understood it because this was a way for a black boy and in a place at times where not only because every man at some point you feel the need to go conquer something. You don't know yeah. what that is. That's no matter what race, creed, or color you are. But she understood that rap gave me a vessel. For that. So she encouraged it. So, you know, God bless my girl. Thank you to Denise for that.
0: Monday, May 15th at 8 7 Central on VH1. Black Ink Crew was back to back and united in Ink on Monday nights. First on Black Ink Crew New York. With Caesar leaving the shop, Puma steps up to lead and rebuild their legacy while Ted works to secure his own. Bae sets up her own shop while Rock and Crystal rethink marriage. Then on Black Ink LA, Kat is preparing to birth a new shop in Beverly Hills and a new baby. Meanwhile, in Compton, KP's dreams of ink and music seem to be fading and having it all is harder than ever. With group dynamics shifting and revelations changing relationships, can OGs and new artists create as a unit? Two cities, one night, United in Ink. Black Ink Crew New York and Black Ink Crew LA starts Monday, May 15th at 8, Central on VH1.
2: You well versed in so many areas, bruh, and uh, I don't like to use the word articulate. But you're well versed in a lot of areas when it comes to different things. And that's the thing that I appreciate about you more so, well, the education piece. Yeah, yeah, you got it. You come from Morehouse. So, like, what was the influence on that? Because when I hear you, not just hearing you talk, but when I hear you rap, you have substance. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we hear songs today it's the evolution of hip hop. Yeah, but everybody don't have substance. So talk about what the education well, piece played in. Well, for. education for me is the fact that I'm articulate. It's just
1: happenstance. My grandmother made me read a lot. And she made me speak in a certain way, and that's this. You know, my grandmother raised me. The lady on the other side, and now my grandmother, she did You know, she was from Tuskegee. She was. She was a large woman. She was a nurse. But my grandfather was, you know, functionally illiterate. He was a third grade educated truck driver because he had to take care of his little sisters. You know, God bless it, just buried his youngest sister in the, back in December. So the, the dichotomy of the people I was raised with was very dope because it it, it served a certain balance. Now, my grandmother talks countries and other Alabama folk. You know, my grandmother, she don't say, I tried to help you. It would say... You know, I tried to help y'all I can. It, my grandma said, I done tried to hope them all I could. <laughs> like, mama, what you mean? I tried to hope all I could. I done hoped he did better, Hope the God to prayed for him. seen like the Negro don't want to do no better. <laughs> so it's it's hilarious that these old Southern colloquialisms, mind your step, which once you go to somewhere like London, you understand that they're actually speaking properly. Yeah. Mind your step's not country. That's the way proper English people- Proper English. That say, so it's funny. So my grandmother, made my sisters and I, we had to be adherent to our studies. And that's my sister- LaShonda, I got five sisters, two I grew up with. That's LaShonda who went graduated Dillard and Lovey, who grew up Roberts Beauty School. We we all had to speak in such a way that, you know, you could talk with your friends how you, you know, I, mean, I talk how, how.
2: But when you when you, when you get, get ready, you ready to show up, up you, you got to show up. You
1: already know. So, I understood very early that I had a responsibility. My grandfather gave me three rules. Don't embarrass yourself, don't embarrass me and your mama name, and don't embarrass color folk. You know, don't. so I my I take communicating in the way I speak very seriously because mm-hmm. My hero spoke well when I looked at athletes who I looked up to whether it was athletes or old from the civil rights movement or whether it was <laughs> Michael Jordan you know those people spoke in a way that was effective in communicating it wasn't cold switching to trying it was just it was a way I spoke in the classroom when I was speaking to Miss Ely or Miss Haynesworth and it was a way I talked to my partner when I was standing in front of the store that's just what it was and the teachers I didn't have three white teachers my whole life my teachers were Black men and women who had went most times and not to historically black colleges and universities. So from the time I went was in kindergarten with Stanley's mother, Miss Pritchard, who went to Savannah State, to the time I graduated with my homeroom teacher, Mr. Arnold, who had graduated Morehouse, mm-hmm. I was surrounded by black people who encouraged me that education was the freeing factor in this society, and I bought into that early, and that's true, and that's me sitting here as a dyslexic kid who would have to read books over and over and over, because my grandmother says, if you didn't get it the first time, read it again. You know a D is not a B. So you know that's D or not B. And I'm like, oh shit, like, you know, I got to. So I better tro- go ahead and read slow and get it right the first time. She was just unrelenting about it. So articulate, I am never I see as a, as, as a non-compliment, because I've worked hard to be. Right. But I want to tell black people. I grew up in the Collier Heights Elementary, right on the west side. Then I went to Frederick Douglass High School, which was led by Dr. Samuel Hill, who was a Joe Clark-like figure. Anybody who went to Douglas and or Mays or APS in the 90s and 80s will tell you about this man. I and, heard about him. You know, and, and Frederick Douglass, the, the man Frederick Douglass has a beautiful quote that I that I live by. It is easier to create strong children than to repair broken men. So it's important. You know, if you don't think that athletes should be articulate, you need to go watch interviews with this man. You need to watch our interviews of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Jim Brown, Muhammad Ali. Mm-hmm. There's a bar Muhammad Ali spoke just as well as Jim, um as, as Jim Brown spoke just as well as Dick Gregory spoke just as well as Malcolm X. So, you know what I mean? So my thing is black people should be articulate. And beyond that, from an education standpoint, education is truly the, the evening factor. And I'm not just talking about college. The education of trade. <laughs> a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer is a high-end trade. Right. A doctor knows your body as well as, as, as a mechanic will know a, a car. car. And specialized doctors, you got transmission specialists, you got heart and cardiology specialists. <clears throat> so for me, those high-end trades are dope and valuable and needed, whether doctor, law, and engineer, but as are trades that are not considered high-end. Mm-hmm. I don't argue with my plumber. I don't argue with my lawyer because I don't clean up my own shit. That's just the truth. I'm not going to, I got to <laughs> clean up this shit. How, how much you charging now? Okay. Yeah, That's true, though. You got. Have you ever argued with your lawyer or your employer
2: about some money? I mean, or your plumber about some money? No. no. How much is it going to cost to get this shit fixed? Uh, we you don't even negotiate. Shit. I had a pipe, except the, 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 the tank was loading back up in the house. Yeah. I called him. Hey, I just want to make sure it's something. You ain't got to tell me how much you, ain't you ain't gotta got to cut. You this, need to come over and get this shit. getting cut, man. You know what I mean? That's real.
1: So we need to teach our children that, that education is as important. So when I'm talking about tradespeople, welders, carpenters, um, um, floor layers, brick masons, all of that education is important. And it's also educate. It's also important that a plumber read Charles Bukowski or Oscar Wilde or Mark Twain. As it is a lawyer or a doctor, we all should have fundamental love of learning, of philosophical things and beliefs. It doesn't stop just because you don't go to college. I want you to make, I saw this guy, who much of his politics I may not agree with, theoretically, when people put us. Um, and, and he's very conservative. He's very mm-hmm. Christian. He's a black man, well-spoken brother. And I just saw people going in on him like, you're a plumber. And I, I just thought to myself, that's not even a testament to how you feel about him. That's a testament for how you feel about yourself. Mm-hmm. See, I can I can disagree philosophically with something he's saying, but I'm not going to try to degrade his trade And somehow think he's not worthy to speak on the conditions of black people because he a black man. I'm sure he has or is interested in or has a black woman, black children because he's a Christian guy. He preaches that type stuff. And I'm like, so why would I want to degrade him? Because he's the guy that might have to fix my pipes. I might need my plumber four times in a year. I only might need my lawyer twice. You know, I just I felt that that low class of them. I don't care how well you speak. That's low class to do. Right. And uh, it made me actually follow the brother and say, I'm going to listen more. Even if I don't agree with him, I'm curious to know what would drive a plumber, to know and understand what I believe. And that's the plumbing, to, pl- being a plumber does not lend itself to me being ignorant. It lends itself to free me up, to have the money and the means to take care of myself, to self-educate. You know, I'm into that. I'm into I'm into plumbers reading high-end shit yeah. and, and having high-end ideas. Because as black people, once was a time where that's all we were regulated to. Yeah. A field.
2: Only limited to it. A-
1: and now, now what we have is the ability to understand that I can be comprised of both. And I think that's all Killer Mike represents. Yeah, like I drive an F-250, it's $100,000, though. It's, it's, it's the same as my wife, low in car. But I've read every major book you read twice. I probably have a better understanding because I've read the book and the opposing book, you know. So that doesn't change me. I'm just, I like, you know. Regular country folk shit. Yeah. But on the high end, you know? (laughs) How many books you think you probably read? I don't even count. I don't even count. Because, you know, some people read a book to say, I accomplished that reading that book. I'll be reading five books at one time. I'll be reading 20 pages of this book. I read 20 pages a day of something, though.
2: Yeah.
1: You have to do that just to keep your mind sharp. You know, I don't, you know, I know as as you get older, you tend to forget things. And, you know, I just try to constantly remind myself, but, um, I, I mean, I try to, I, I probably get out at least 10 a year knocked down, you know. Yeah. I've been alive for a long time.
2: Bruh, that's that's commendable, dog. Yeah. <laughs> but it ain't by accident. It ain't yeah. by accident.
1: It's because I'm old lady, man. It's old mean lady named Betty. I called Beatrice, man. She was like, we were, my sisters and I were part of a summer program at the Cary Heights Adamsville Library where you had to read at and, the and, and end of, before you went back to school in August, you had to report the books you read to, and we won the contest. And the lady doubted that we read them. We were reading so many, and uh, my grandmother said, "Excuse me," she said, "Well, I don't, I don't think they've read these books." And she walked before we could walk out because we were just like, "Man, fuck this shit!" My grandmother marched us back in there, and she just picked up the books and pointed at us, and we knew what the fuck that meant. That book was about summarized. By the time we got to that, by the fourth or fifth book, the lady just was flush with embarrassment. And said, Miss Clunz, I'm sorry. I apologize. You just been a hard day. And it was cool. I ended up working for the same lady um in that library getting my volunteer hours. Because in Georgia you have to get seventy-five volunteer hours in order to, to graduate. You know, a lot of people may not know that out there. But she she taught she would remind me of that story, say, Well, your grandma was tough. I was like, I was like, Yeah, we had to actually fucking read them. Yeah. Summarize <laughs> so it. Yeah.
2: One in eight, that's how many people have worked at McDonald's, and where some have continued their career. Where graduates of McDonald's Career Online High School Program are now role models leading the next generation. Where aunties, uncles, cousins, and communities learn skills they can use in every aspect of life. Hi, welcome to McDonald's. One in eight have worked at McDonald's. And where you start stays with you. Bro, we look at 2023, and you alluded to it earlier, it's the 50, 50th anniversary of hip-hop. Yep. And that's that's special for me because I felt like, well, hell, I grew up in the era. Yeah. Like in the early stages of the era. With us being the same close in age, it's 2023 is also the year of the jump man. Yeah.
1: You know, Mike
2: stepping up to the plate, you know, big time too. And also it's the 20th anniversary of trap music, bro. Yeah. So when you see the evolution of all of this, how does that make you feel, bro, to see you got your footprint Oh, you hand print of all of this. Man, trade. I'm, I'm
1: going to tell you one of the most beautiful things. Two of the most beautiful things that happened once was when I walked in the Trap Music Museum, which I'm very proud. For people of mine know, and the tip's my friend. You know, I'm not like friendly, not like we online friends. Like, this is my, this is my friend. This is my dog. I love him. And um, we're in business together. I love him so much. You don't really get in business with people you don't like or can't be around. We're opening, reopening Bankhead Seafood. Shouts out to Crystal and my wife, who've done an amazing job of putting that Together, But um, when I walked in the Trap Music Museum and I saw Killer Mike's Monster, the first attempt at a conscious trap album, And that really was the truth because I didn't know musically what I was or wanted to be. I knew I was tired of walking that fence between positive community guy and still having to sell marijuana. Yeah, what I didn't want to be is, you know, that fine line, of, you know, you the football coach and you might be the weed connect. You know what I mean? So that means we. I had to figure out... <laughs> Something in getting a record deal the same year I would have graduated college was, was such a blessing because if you listen, go back and listen to Monster, which is his 20th year this year, you know, one of the most prominent records is, you know, Scared Straight, Mama, I Don't Want to Sell, Crack No More. They locked me up. So I, I, I was I had a fear of dying or being jailed and my talent being wasted. So when I saw that, the acknowledgement just overwhelmed me and I appreciate it. You know what I mean? Just tip giving me, giving me that because... It, it. I've spent my past 20 years trying to be the best example I could be yeah. and while by maintaining the truth and sincerity which is why later in the year you guys get an album called Michael and I've got a little off subject because I'm on you
2: know, oh no but no let's talk but, about that though because yeah. you got the new album coming out right yeah, new there's, project
1: there's a new one coming out and it's an essential uh, having lived through the Jumpman era the hip hop era having lived through this it's a culmination of all that I know we were talking about we were talking about the Jumpman and the Michael Jordan yep the Michael Jordan, as I'm wearing the the Jordan 1s, and my daughter's favorites, Mikey, her favorites. Uh, Michael Jordan set a new bar for us in in terms of he, he was an amazing. If we can focus on what we love, the way he focused on basketball, what a world this would be.
2: Man,
1: if, imagine if,
2: what we can accomplish.
1: Yeah, if, and that's whatever you want to do. But this shoe changed everything. And I'm an Air Max head. Air Max 1 was the other day. Shouts out to Air Max. I remember I tell the story after Ben Norman walking on the basketball court at Air Max 1s. I'm just like, oh, shit, this is crazy. But the Michael Jordan changed the world because, like, if you might have heard, Phil Knight then wanted to do a personalized shoe for a basketball player like the Stan Smith. I never was really into some of the other basketball shoes because everybody had the same shoe. Yep. You know, Magic wore the purple and gold. Converse. Bird wore the Converse, but he wore... His were purple and gold. Birds were white and green. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just depending on which team. Um, and it was similar to the Nike Dunk program, except I thought the Dunk was a doper-looking shoe. But Mike... Lived up to the hype and beyond. He set another bar, and that so that changed. I think I finally I got on on the Jordan. I, I missed the Jordan one because my grandma was like, Get the "Fuck out of here." You know what I'm saying? Hundred yeah. dollars shoot.
2: You think I'm finna pay a hundred dollars? Negro,
1: you crazy? I ended. Up, I think we settled out. Uh, Shouts out to my man Richmond. Richmond slid me some Scotty pivots <laughs> out the back for <laughs> for for a ticket <laughs> for a light ticket. Shouts out to him. But <clears throat> when I remember when I could finally. Get J's. Like the record deal had okay, me and Billy get Jays. I just, I went J crazy. You know what I mean? And um, Big Boy, I can remember just wearing him and his brother James. James was in CeeLo with the friends that introduced me to Big Boy. And Big and Dre gave me the opportunity to change my life. But they were some of the first dudes I just saw wearing Jordans, just, just cubs. Like Z- Dre might have on a a zebra-scrite baggy pad outfit with some joint foes on. And Big got on the threes out an authentic braids jerseys. I'm just like, man, these killing it, killing the game. And uh, so, man, the, the, I, Jordan, Michael Jordan as a brand has meant a lot to me. Michael Jordan is a man, no matter what people have thought about him personally or politically. He's given me an example of how to be truly driven to go after a goal and be tenacious. This is 20 years for me in rap. And people will see what Michael, and, and if you listen to my guest verses from Good Morning with Black Thought and Pusha T to uh, me on Prime with Royce, in, in Premiere, you hear me on with Cass and Big them. Now, you hear a, a tenacious MC. The mind, unlike the muscle, doesn't go as fast. So I would argue I've gotten better every year consecutively. I've had a Scarface-like career. And since eight, since 87, Face ain't dropped no whack out. And, and that's my goal and ambition is for another 10 to just literally dominate and get better as a as a poet in pugilism.
2: Yeah, you're definitely doing that. And in- I, I want to give you credit because I thought I, I think I heard you say it South by Southwest, and you was talking about Kendrick Lamar. Mm-hmm. He made mention. I heard this like yeah. way Stop before talking. you even brought it up, and yeah. he was talking about, "Look, y'all sleeping on my dog, yeah, Killer I Mike." That. Yep. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, like, how did that make you feel? Because you know, for me, like, the ultimate goal is in music Grammy. Yeah. Athletics, football—you yep. want to win that Super Bowl. Yep. I felt like I got shafted. Yeah, you know, what I mean, just because of cer- certain certain situation, team, yeah. free agency, yeah. whatever it is. But yep. like when you heard Kendrick Lamar say that, yeah, like what? W- Man, what was he, your response?
1: It's, I, I, it's 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 uh, you know, it's it's Warren Sapp or Lawrence Taylor complimenting you. It is it is it is a it is a, it is a defensive juggernaut. Saying that he's amongst us. You know what I mean? And that that it means a lot because Kendrick is, man, he's lyrically, pugily, he from a pugilistic standpoint, he's one of the greatest fighters there ever lived. Now, the fact it took took takes me back to the beginning of the Art of War. If you've read that book, there's a story of three brothers in it. One brother is so good, he can see sickness before it ever starts and tell you what to do. And no one will even know his name outside the house. The other brother will kind of see it right when it's starting to tell you, you know, do these Joseph's Bears and name known monks the village. And a brother who's who's dope as fuck at surgery, at fixion, is the brother who is the least of those three brothers, but is the doctor, the kings, and queens. And what that means to me is Kendrick has said that, Lil Wayne has said that, mm-hmm. Eminem has said that, Outcast is a group by signed to me said that. I don't have nothing to prove to you, as much as this is proving to myself. No criticism you give me outweighs Scarface telling me you're one of the greatest. No criticism you give me outweighs Ice Cube saying you're consistently on a multi-year level, puts you here amongst the greats. You know, And if I can't be a goat, that's fine, because I always prefer being a wolf, and I'm coming for every goat's throat.
2: Yes, uh, that's the goal you know,
1: for me. So it just drives me. Whatever I'm denied drives me to want it more. And the mind unlike the body, can keep me in the game a little longer. And I want to have a career where I'm as lyrically sharp for as long as Scarface, for as long as E-40, for as long as Bun-B, for as long as Jay-Z, for as long as Straight, for as long as B. I want that consistency. So Kendrick complimented me that. Thank you again. You know, yeah. Ultimate compliment would be, you know, let's do a fucking crazy-ass record. Let's when do a record leave, together. When I leave here, and that's not an ask as much as, that's truly an acknowledgement. You give me that. And, and we gonna show them motherfuckers, and that's just what it is. And he's forever one of the greats. Um, when I leave here, I'm going. Dead Prez took me out on one of my first tours. M1 hit me when they got in town. Stick and I've grown to be very close in terms of just homies and, and friends. I really love him. He's given me some advice on how to get off the 47 I've lost, and trying to get off. Congrats 50 more. on that, yeah, I man. Thank you. I'm working, but I'm um, I'm leaving here and going to the studio with them. You know, I'm 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 at this shit every single day. You know, I've realized in athletics, the guys who train uh, the a lot of times, the guys who working, when you're not working, those are the guys who win it. Those oh, yeah. Those, those, that's what I'm like. That's the secret. The secret is don't stop. Pac had the secret. Like, don't fucking stop. So, I don't stop.
2: Yeah, that, that's what it's all about, bro. Putting in the work, understanding the guys who I've seen made it to that next level, whether or not, if it's Hall of Fame, accomplished something great to where you had to take out your pen and put it in paper yeah. to where it can't be erased, they always worked in private, yeah. and on Sunday it was displayed in public, bro. Yeah,
1: yeah
2: I, see. Well, I see. I remember watching Floyd,
1: yeah. who I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of Floyd Mayweather's man. Not only just as a boxer, but the mentality. I remember when he he must have been with Jay Prince promotion at the time, because we were in Texas, and his crew was showing him what they could do, and they were pushing through. And like outcast had like some fucking Navy SEALs as their bodyguards and shit, and it it turned into a standoff. And I'm just looking at these dudes who like U.S. military, and I'm just like, man, these guys don't even realize they already knifed them. Like the military guys, had these things you could hold. I'm just like, oh shit, they gonna. And I remember like the homies getting like, no, hey man, let's flow. What the fuck y'all doing? Like, because. <laughs> It's like me, C Bone, Nate, God bless the dead. So, I'm like, hey, man, Floyd, man, what the fuck wrong with y'all? Oh, settle but, down, dog. <laughs> you look at Floyd now, man. He, he showed that his adherence to his goal was to be the absolute best, paid off. Floyd would come from the club, didn't drink a smoke. So, right, he's drinking juice of water. And then he comes and you watch that old HBO thing of Showtime, wherever you used to come on. Floyd would fucking be running at three in the morning. He's getting five and eight miles in. And you the opponent might have been in another club. Mm-hmm. So he knows you're not out working. I remember, you know, Kobe shooting after the games. Like, Mike, when he left and came back, yoked, you know, understanding that, man, if I'm going to be playing this Eastern Conference, I'm going to need another 20 pounds of muscle because, you know, basketball was damn near like football in the 80s, you know. You come in that paint. You, you, you go up, heaven. they going under you. So what you going to do? You know, I just... um. So I'm, I've, I've learned, man, just stay at it, stay at it, stay at it, stay at it.
2: Bro, the motivation that you have, staying at it, staying persistent, even with the consistent word, I got to ask you, and I know people ask you all the time, how did that shit end up giving you a seat at the table right inside of State Farm Arena <laughs> with your barbershop? Man, so falling off was one of the best
1: things to happen to me. So I've been in Run the Jewels this year ten years. We're one of the most successful touring groups in the world. We are. Um, we have a we have a Wu Tang like fellowship in that we've played everything from Bonnaroo to Coachella. I think three four times now, to some of the biggest festivals in Europe. And I'm blessed in the ten. But the first ten were a little tumultuous because I start here. I start on the whole world Grammy. I start popping tags too. I start on the DJ Clues. I start here. But the solo record at a time, which is. For rap numbers, great. it's 500,000 records, but it's that's a that's a Pro Bowl when you know you have 50 cent doing 10 million records. That's super bowl. Mm-hmm. That's what you're like, whoo shit. Yeah, like, probably ain't gonna do 10. But I remember a Sony executive teaching me profit and loss sheets. Say you profited, so we don't need to keep pushing the line. You've already profited us, so you should pivot to what's our gonna be our next project. And Bun was called Bun, like, man, I I, I think you could go for it. Bun was like, no, you profited. He was like, UGK, we got locked in because they kept telling us we hadn't profited. And he told a story he told on Beehive's, um, Beehive's um, blog or, or podcast. And I'm, so I understood value. Then I understood, okay, so I do hold value. But I didn't want to do another major deal. I, I think Jermaine was over at Virgin. He and Big had agreed to do business. I think Big Dre was exiting out uh, to kind of just go figure out what was his next ex. So Quim and I was fading and Purple Ribbon was coming into which was Biggs exclusively, and the thing about Purple Ribbon was mm-hmm. <laughs> it had a lot of artists. It was, you know, Sleepy Brown, Bubba Sparks, Concrete, God Bless the Dead, Super Nate, that was c Bone, the Little Bro, the James, Janelle Monae was there, Killer mm-hmm. Mike was there, Scar was there, amazing roster. Um, I didn't want to wait. You know, they were they were like, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to wait behind um, for the Sleepy Project and Bubba Sparks Project. And I, I wasn't gonna do it. It just ain't no way around it. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have, you know, anything against um, another artist to, to say I don't I don't deserve to wait. Right. And that that's it. You just felt like it was just your time. I, mean, I knew it was. It wasn't no question. I w- but I wasn't gonna wait. Even if it wasn't, I wasn't gonna wait. Cause again, this is you know sleeping not so much because this is you know an R and B assault type thing. But I <clears> don't <throat> I didn't, didn't want to wait behind OG either. Like I had some shit to get right back out. Cause my thing is. I understood then. What the world understood later was even if it's a stumble, as long as you're in the race, keep going, keep going, keep going. You'll right. catch up. And there was a there was a rightful focus because um, Rico's a genius. Rico could see the future. Rico knew that white rappers were coming into prominence, and you know he you know and that wasn't just an Eminem factor. Well, he understood that Bubba could rap his ass off. Bubba had came from some dire dire situations that people could relate to him. And with that said, I still was like, nah, I'm not waiting. Not waiting, fuck that. Not waiting behind nobody. And I went out and shouts out to my man Mazzetti, who unfortunately serving a life sentence, but you know hopefully one day we'll get him home. Um, him, Big Key, um, and this is in Gwinnett, like even way before the Dugongs. This is we went and slept in the house, a house, recording booth there, and we recorded the grind time. I pledged these to the grind because I understood by leaving a major label, it was gonna really become a grind. Yeah. And the boys in Texas, like Paul Walk, Millionaire, the Grit Boys, um. Thug wrote them, gave us a lot of game on how to press up your own CDs. We went to Texas, pressed up our own CDs and dropped them off on record stores on the way back from Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama. By the time we made it to places like Criminal Records and DBS Sounds in Atlanta, you know, we had a we had an operation going. And I pledge allegiance to the grind, one, two, and three really were my years of learning what the fuck I was doing. And it made me a lot more forgiving in terms of, you know, what I thought I was holding against, you know, what right. the ball getting dropped on me. <clears throat> This shit's hard. And it, it grew me into a better business person and a better thinker. And um, it, it, it just, it provided a way for me to learn business by actually having to learn it. So by the time I came around to record Pledge 3 and Rolling Stones noted Ric Flair was one of the top 50 songs of the year, that record said to me, okay, you ready to matriculate back up out of the Bush Leagues into the D Leagues and then back up into the pros. That took me to rap music, which was done at William Street Records, Rebellious African People's Music. Jason um, DeMarco signed and put me and LP together. That relationship grew into Run the Jewels. Run the Jewels, in my opinion, is the greatest rap group in the world right now, most dominant touring rap group.
2: Yeah, dog. Salute on that, bro. Yeah, because I used to, I still talk to Pat, sleepy.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, my man. You know what I'm saying? He that's got my Pontiac um GTO over uh Tempest or GTO over over at my shop now. We we got some cool things happening there.
2: Oh, yeah. my dog didn't tell me about that. Asking about his gold, it's beautiful. Hey, let's, sw- I want to switch, uh, let's switch lanes and we yep. got to go to you Atlanta threw one out, yep. big time fan of all of the teams here. Yeah. But let's talk about them Falcons though. Man. Hey, listen. So I, I want to um. know right now, <laughs> like I think they pick eighth in the draft. Yeah. The top 10 pick. Yeah. Like who do they get? I or think- shoot, do they even float around in free agency and go out here and get a big juggernaut?
1: No bullshit. And this is not just because this is my little cousin. Nolan Smith Jr. is so needed. The Falcons have had, oftentimes, amazing offensive players, amazing wide receivers, amazing quarterbacks. I don't think we've ever truly had an amazing offensive line. But we've had some solid yeah. offensive linemen that, that could get you through a season. But what we really need is a truly tumultuous, treacherous defense. I don't know if y'all are from the country, but you can tell when Hawks the Falcons are out because rabbits and little dogs don't like to be out. Mm-hmm. Your, your little dog will be walking and it'll be doing, and you'll be like, what the fuck they looking at? They know it's a goddamn bird in the sky. Yep. And, and I think that <clears throat> not since Deion Sanders, and you know, we've had our Jesse Tuggles, we've had our, our other guys, but we need a menacing defense. We need a defense that so when they come out and those all black uniforms, man, and with that stripes of red—that motherfucker think they done just seen a pirate on the horizon, and they ship ain't got no guns. And I think, as some of the guys, it seems that they're grabbing out of free agency. It seems like we going to try to get some dogs. So, you know, for me, I think, I think I would like to see truly the Falcons become the dominant defensive force that a Falcon flying out the sky can and should be.
2: No, I agree with you because if you can't stop anybody, I don't care how many points you, you score. Fuck, how many put them? Ultimately, you you, like you got to be able to stop somebody. You got to make them. And that ain't biased thought process.
1: Nervous man, like real. That's the art of war. You got just the art of war. You got to shake them up. They got to be in their own head before they get there. The quarterback got to be scared. This shit finna get picked out the sky, or this motherfucker finna smash my face in. If you got that, you won half the battle because you've already inserted fear Mm -hmm. on the other side. And fear going to make you tense up. Fear going to make you play quirky. Fear going to have your offensive lineman jumping outside. Fear is going to give you a lot of things that you don't even need to bring physically
2: because the fear is there. I've heard a few talks, people saying, you know what? Even though we drafted a quarterback last year, why not trade for Lamar Jackson up top? Man, the city you' be on fire we would it'd be, it'd be Mike, Vic, it would be Mike Rookie. it would be that
1: shouldn't be so lit <laughs>
2: that'll be dumb bro but I you know it's a lot of other pieces too as well I like Lamar yeah I
1: was I was caught up in it for two weeks when they was like he coming I was like boy we from the ball I had already had his blue flying section ready I was, like, <laughs> I, was I was gonna make sure he only meet the, the good girl not the bad girl yeah. you know what I, mean? I um I man I just I, I don't know man I you know the Falcons, the Falcons. I got a, I got a lot of love for them. Some people think I don't. I, I got a lot of love for the Falcons, but man, I've been getting heartbroken since like '83 since Steve Barkowski. Man, oh. imagine that! Like I've been like I've been like. There's no more heartbroken a fan than an Atlanta fan. Now I'm 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 never gonna. I'm never going to not go for the city. But let me tell you something, man. If you lived through the Dale Murphy era in baseball, mm-hmm. where we had Dale Murphy, Bob Horner, Dale was Dale may possibly never go in the Hall of Fame, and he deserves so. One of the greatest hitters in baseball ever, and he doesn't get acknowledged, or get talked about. In part, because I think he didn't stay. You know, shouts out to Dale. He sent me a birthday message. But I wish he would have stayed in Atlanta, but I think Dale got back off to Utah somewhere almost, you know. But, man, when we had Dominique, but we didn't have... Dominique never truly had his pipping, you know yep, what I'm saying? Never did. Uh, and 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 my um, thing is, wow, what, what, what we would he have been in? And then with, with with football, I ended up following Favre, interestingly enough, up to Green Bay. So I was a Favre. I cheered Favre. But I've never been far from cheering and want to see the Falcons do well. But, man, I want to see the Falcons dominate. It's no reason Atlanta don't have t- two Super Bowls. We a lit city. I remember Keyshawn Johnson telling me on the plane. I asked him one time, like,
2: man, why you don't go to Atlanta?
1: wife won't let me the
2: <laughs>
1: i be want to see Key and Sean and be like, you still
2: married? Man, like, no.
1: Hey. Should've came to him You could've had four wives. We could've, <laughs> have, <laughs> <you> could've <laughs> had it the flame and two the city. But, but I think that sometimes Atlanta get hate because people get scared they're going to lose their man. But, man, don't let her make your decision. She's going to leave you after the career anyway. Yeah. That's, that's what the bald dad, she, that's what bald dad, LaVonna them say. But son, she's going to leave you after the career. So, come to Atlanta, man. Find your girl who's working in the club as a bar hop right now, man. She needs you. She she's waiting work. on you right now. I, listen, people hear me talk about my old lady, man. They hear me talk, tell the story of, of, um, of her having me make a, a smart business decision instead of buying a demon. You know, I remember when she worked at the doctor's office, and you know, she was the receptionist, the pretty girl at the doctor's office. To tell you, you paying too much money, and you don't care because you want to. Yeah, man, I remember when she was doing that. and She was in nursing school, and she was like, "Well, I'm finna go waitress at Jazzy Teeth." I'm like, "Nah, nah no nah. the hell you
2: ain't. I'm like, "Nah, I'm like
1: I fuck with you too much. If you gonna do it, I might not fuck." So you know, your favorite girl, man, might be on her way to be a waitress. So come here, man. Your career prosper,
2: man. Let's get you though.
1: Already, bro. Shouts out to my Hawks, though. I, I ended up—I know you had asked. I ended up getting in the Hawks, um, former America, Same Reed, Steve Coonan, who's the president uh, president over there at the Hawks, know. and the Rexlers, um, Tony Rexler and Jamie Gertz, who's the owners. Um, Shouts out to them for having the confidence that a barber brand, that the swag shop is in building, that they had a purpose in that arena. Not only do you get to come in and have the same view as the expensive boxes just by coming in our shop— you get to come experience a great swag shop haircut as we grow, and we're gonna come to a neighborhood to you. And you get to buy cool merch that you can't get other places, even in the arena. So we did an Ian Claire designed 90 style um shirts of one with Dominique Duncan and one with me Duncan, which is an impossibility, but it was a good family. you know. though. And they they saw, they're selling out. And I'm I'm very happy about that. John Collins is someone I built a relationship with. Shouts out to John man. He um <coughs> he supported the shop, he and Trey Trey supported the shop. So I gotta just say, man, the Hawks, for whatever reason, gave us a shot and we lived up to our opportunity and we're very thankful to everyone over
2: there. Nah, dope, bro. You definitely thriving. And I gotta mention this before I let you get up out of here the business side, the acumen of what you have and yeah. what you've been able to, to do. I think of yourself, Ryan Glover, yep. uh, Ambassador Green. Andrew Young, yep. and then Paul also Judge. Paul Judge, yep. Greenwood York. Bank.
1: Yep, yep. It's a, right. it's a, How did that
2: collaboration come about?
1: Well, it's a fintech company, all right? So you, you're here Greenwood Bank. It's not a brick-and-mortar company. It's a fintech company. We partner with other banks and banks because there's a group of people. It's like a lot of times when you're financing as a young athlete or a young entertainer or something, your first home loan is not always the right one or the fair one. But your people will tell you, hey, if you're going to be here a while, go ahead and finance it. We'll get you a solid rate, and then we'll refinance and get you a better rate. Yep. A lot of times unbanked people don't have the ability to go in to banks and or credit unions, um, even though credit unions can be easier, and get the bank relationship. They don't have a means. Greenwood marries that means. It gives people where neighborhoods and communities where banks have pulled out of, where check cashing places and more and um, mm-hmm. title lenders are kind of just eating people's um, too high interest rates, eating and taking advantage of them. It gives you an opportunity to get banking. And one of the proudest moments to happen to me in the last ten days was, you know, if you go on Twitter, you'll think everybody hates you. So, you know, it's some it's some Negro don't on Twitter look, don't look who don't like me, right? For whatever reason, I just don't I don't like the fact that this motherfucker has a bigger platform. I don't like the fact that my children and my classrooms talk about him. That's fine. I don't like the fact he won't talk to me publicly. That's fine. But what trumps and succeeds that is when I'm in the Shell Station, across from the smoke shop, <laughs> on Walking and Peter Street, and a brother come up, your brother with dreads. you can tell he got something going for himself. He looked good. He put up two, like, on the, the fancy, like, whatever the wine, cooler beers. He say, Mike, I say, what's up? He say, hey, bro. And pull out his greenwood card. Been working like a sport champ. I appreciate <laughs> you. I say, I say, man, I can't even let you use the card today. I use my greenwood <laughs> card to buy his bill. Because I got you. Regardless of what your theoretical opinion is, there are many pathways to destinations. If you're from the country and you're taking 16, it might be radically different than if you taking 95. But we both gonna end up going and making our way to the to the coast of Georgia. We both gonna get there. So my thing is. You cannot like. You cannot not agree. But do not not participate. If you don't participate with my banking platform, fine. There's Citizens Trust. There's Carver National. There is there is um, there's um well my man out in California. My man Kevin. I'm forgetting the name of his bank right now. But there 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 are so many other places for you to help and insert black financial literacy. Take less time. Worrying about what other folk is doing and more time focus on what you're doing. Whatever that is. Like you just said about the greats. They train in private and show it off in public. Less as black people. Spend less time criticizing the thoughts, ways, and means. And more times encouraging those that are doing well. Stay hyper-local with what you're doing. You know, stay hyper-local with what you're doing. I have a Greenwood account. I have a Citizens Trust account. I have two large accounts with larger banks, and I'm opening an account with a credit union um, via my cousin that turned me on to. Because I got a lot of money, they only assure you up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. So, shit, if I can, if I got a million dollars, I split it by four four different banks. At least I know I'm gonna get my money back. You if know? something happens, you know so, I, I'm good. Yeah, so you know, as I get extras, I try to do extras. I, I put, I, I use Citizen Trust. For my retirement savings, I put that there. I don't trust that. You know, I mean, I, I don't, I don't mess with it in terms of my investment accounts. I have it another place. I would use my, you know, an investment broker that I use as a white company, but it's a black broker who understands the nuance of of us investing and how because they know your cousins gonna kick you and ask you for, to help them open a smoke shop. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're gonna oh, car wash. Gonna, they, they're gonna teach your cousin how how to do something else. So I just, I'm happy that that um that the woman I'm with has some good sense. Uh, I'm happy that. The women I've dealt with have had some good sense because a lot of times that'll lead you to throwing throwing monies away. I'm happy that my mother and grandmother had good sense in terms of money. And I'm happy that the men in my life have always warned me towards saving and investing, whether that's both my father's and my grandfather. And I think that it really starts simple like that. Before we get exotic and start arguing over Grant Cardone, Before we get exotic and we start saying you should be doing day trading, let's return to the simple fundamental. Can we help black people have a solid credit score? Which is what John Hope Bryant preaches and teaches, that credit scores that are 580 and below tend to be in areas that are impoverished and therefore economically decimated and educationally decimated. Who's John Hope Bryant sold his own company? For $118 million, was the largest minority homeowner of single-family housing rentals and one of the wisest businessmen I've known. He says, let's teach people to get that credit score up and let's get people, via talking to Tony Rexler, owner of the Hawks, $6 billion man, says the first piece of wealth that people should be focused on is homeownership. Because home ownership is what's going to give you an opportunity to get a business loan. If your kids want to start a business based on them having went to plumbing school, want to start their own plumbing, or your kid want to get a trade like engineering, doctoring, or lawyering, get a chance to get you to take mm-hmm. a loan and get them into school. So before we get exotic, let's just get black people back on a simple path to credit responsibility, financial literacy, financial literacy, credit responsibility, and buying that first home.
2: And the big thing is, well, all of that, what you said, but... Everybody can participate. Everybody can participate. Everybody, everybody.
1: Everybody. My uncle, God bless his soul, I have an uncle, an uncle that's autistic. He can't count his check. He could build his goddamn room. He know how to measure, <laughs> right? But in terms of paying my uncle to my you could cheat my uncle. So we, my sisters and I have always <laughs> had to make sure our uncle got paid. But our uncle could build this. But even he understands I got to save my money. I can't spend it all. And I would challenge people to because as I'm having to do right now, so I'm not just challenging you to do this because it's already worked Now I've done it, as much as this is when it works best for me when I listen and I adhere to to the rules and philosophies of my mentors. I save and invest a third of what I make. I have a third of that I live off of as a budget, and a third I know the IRS coming again. Yeah. So if I make a dollar, 33 cents I know go for saving and investing, 33 cents I got to live on. And I know my
2: business partner, the, the United States government, these State 33. And they got to get, they gotta get there. They got to get there. That's the third plan. Yeah. Before we let you go, bro, I want you to take us behind the mask. And what is one thing that people don't know about Killer Mike that you would want them to know right now? Um, I guess
1: ultimately, I'm a renaissance man. And that's not because I want you to admire and say, oh, that's amazing. It's so that you understand I'm meeting you where you're at. You know, I ain't some smart trying to be street. I ain't some street trying to be smart. I ain't some some guy who got on late trying to get culture through art. I'm all these. I've been these since fourth grade. Since fourth grade, I've I've liked fast muscle cars, and I've liked Renaissance art. Since fourth grade, I've liked reading Playboy magazine. <laughs> you know what I mean? My mom caught me reading, and 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 I've and I've like you know I've liked reading Mark Twain. You know, and so for for me, I am the what if black power works, I'm the product of it. Mm -hmm. You know, married to a black woman. I don't stay three exits from the community I grew up in. I just bought my daughter a house in the very community I grew up in. Um, I'm not ashamed to be. I'm very proud to be a black Southern man. You know, I'm very proud to be as much as my learned uncle as I am my salt of the earth grandfather. And, you know, more than anything that, you know, if you don't know this about me, you should, it's just, man, you know, my goal is to not embarrass myself, to be the best me, not embarrass my grandparents' name, so that it lives on righteously and and not embarrass our people and be a credit to our people. Ultimately, that's that's what I like to be. A credit to my people, a credit to this country, and to have left a mark on the world that matters.
2: That's dope, bro. That's dope. And now that you know who you are and you fast forward, did you sometimes ever wear a mask? Yeah, of course you have to. What you tell you a black born American.
1: <laughs> Listen. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. Because again, when you're young, as a boy, that if that warrior spirit isn't cultivated, you 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 put on your thug spirit. You you know, in my era, it was the Jordache jeans and your your your, your silk shirt. You know what I mean? Or your doctor suit, your, your, or your your trap suit, your dicky suit with the you know the forces. You know, but that's just part of me.
2: Yeah,
1: it's me, but it's just part of me. Um, it was it was being comfortable letting people know all of me. The same little dude that stood in front of the Stormwall of the King was the same little dude that stood in front of WB Du Bois Hall at Morehouse. And, I, and I'm, I'm just as proud to be both. And I'm just as proud that I don't have to be married to either
2: at the cost of the other. Mm. That's facts, bro. My dog. Man, love and respect, man. Right? Love and respect, homie. Yes, sir. Appreciate it.